Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with veteran Latin jazz pianist and arranger Oscar Hernandez. He opened up about his latest 2019 CD called Love the Moment with Alma Libre. It's doing very well on the charts, and this four-time Grammy Award winner opens up about him. He has been long considered one of the most gifted and prominent pianists and arrangers on the contemporary Latin, Latin jazz, and salsa music scene, and is best known as the leader of the world-renowned Spanish Harlem Orchestra. This Bronx native has produced such artists as Ruben Blades and Paul Simon and so many others, and he's done so much more. Please get to know him and dig this interview, my friends. Oscar, hey, thank you for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz. It's an honor and a pleasure. Oh, man, it's my pleasure. Thank you for thinking uh, me. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. So talk to me about this wonderful new 2019 CD, Love the Moment with Alma. Give me an idea of what your artistic vision for this project was. For me, people know me mostly through Spanish Harlem Orchestra, which is my baby for the last 17 years, and a band that's traveled all over the world and played all the major jazz festivals and won, has won three Grammys. So I'm known as the leader of that, and that's a 13-piece band with five horns and full rhythm section and three vocalists. So this is completely different. This is a chance for me to extend myself as a composer and as a pianist in a completely different light. My second solo venture, the first one was uh, titled Yard of Latin Jazz. And this one, which just uh, was re released, uh, has all compositions composed by myself. Uh, it's just a, a chance for me to put my foot in a different direction in terms of music. Uh, although this is a style of music that I've you know, always played in some shape or form, but uh, it's nice to be able to document it via recording and and put it out. So I'm, I'm really, and I'm really excited the feedback I'm getting. People love it. I've gotten great reviews. I just got four stars in Downbeat, so that's pretty awesome. So whether you're with the Spanish Harlem Orchestra or you're on your own, how do you see each successive album you put out? Do you see it as an evolution? Do you see it as an imprint in time? How do you view that evolution of yours as an artist? Well, I think it's a little of both. It's, it's an evolution, uh, but it's more an imprint in time for sure of where I am at the moment. Again, documenting a a style of music that's in my head and in my heart and a music that I'm very passionate about, a style of music that I'm very passionate about. You know, I grew up with this music as a young uh, person when I started in music and gotten to play with so many amazing people over the course of my uh, career. And uh, it's all a reflection of what's in this record uh, in some shape or form. Speaking of the music you grew up with, talk to me about where you were born and raised and what your childhood was like to get into music. I was born and raised in New York City and raised in the South Bronx. And uh, it, was a, it was a very important time for the cultural revolution of Latinos in the city of New York. I'm Latino. I, uh, my parents are both from Puerto Rico. And although I was born in New York, very much a reflection of what it was to be Latino in, in the city of New York. And, and Latin music is what I heard from every other window and every other door where I grew up. So it was part of the fabric of the day. It had a big influence on, you know, uh, us as uh, young people because we were trying to, our parents and our, our people were trying to maintain their identity. And music was a big part of that cultural revolution whether it be a social setting, whether it be clubs, 
whether it be parties, uh, whether it be just uh, listening to the radio, listening to what the neighbors were listening to. That music was a part of what we were brought up with. Obviously, we were also influenced by other music because we heard the music that was happening on pop radio, on commercial radio, whether it be uh, pop music, whether it be R&B. That was all a part of you know what we grew up with. Was there an album growing up that you really were like, this is what I want to do with my life? Or I guess better yet, did you always know that music was going to be the path that you were going to take in life professionally? No, I really didn't. Honestly, I started playing uh, at the local boys club. You know, we we grew up poor, so uh, I paid my 50 cents dues <laughs> to join the boys club. And don't remember exactly why I started playing in the marching band. I started playing trumpet in the marching band. I started taking lessons. They would give us free lessons. I remember the teacher saying, oh, this kid's going to be good. He was telling somebody. And after a year and a half, I was having a a physical problem with the trumpet. I could read and I could I could uh, execute, but I, the physical aspect of the trumpet wasn't, I guess, meant for me. And he tells me, why don't you switch to saxophone or the, or the piano? And lo and behold, the neighborhood where I grew up, my oldest brother, because I come from a family of 11, and I was the youngest, my oldest brother, who was the oldest, was the superintendent of the building we lived in. And somebody gave him a piano. I was 14 at the time, and he uh, took one of the rooms in the basement, painted it, uh, made it really beautiful, put the piano there, and that was the beginning of me doodling with the piano and, and start to uh, venture uh, this new uh, instrument that I had in front of me. And before you know it, I was playing with local neighborhood musicians, and we had local neighborhood bands about a year, year and a half later. Two and a half years later, I started playing professionally, believe it or not. You know, there were so many. At that time, there were so many bands, there were so many clubs in the city of New York. That was part of the fabric of the day. We're talking about the, the 70s for me. So, uh, and I was a young kid. I was, you know, um, it, it was really put in front of me. And I just kind of followed the path and the, the path opened door, opened, you know, opened up for me little by little. And I tell people that the education that I got as a young musician, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, playing with some amazing musicians, once I started playing professionally, you know, at 18, 19, you couldn't pay for in the best university because I was exposed to some incredible musicians early on who were exactly for me. And were teachers, although not, you know, uh, they didn't know they were teaching me, but I was learning by example, looking at the scores, looking at the music, and just absorbing so much music that was available at that time. So it basically was the basis of what I was to become as a musician. Uh, it was the formation of what made me the musician I am today. And then I started to play with some name bands. I, early on, I you know, recorded uh, in my early 20s. Uh, I became the pianist with Ray Barreto. We recorded six records, of which all I'm really, I'm really all proud of their great records. They're, some of them are seminal records, uh, actually. And really grateful that he afforded me the ability to spread my wings as a pianist and as an arranger. And Ray had one of the most progressive minds in the business, very intelligent, was one of the most knowledgeable people of all kind of music, not only Latin, but jazz, classical. So he was an important influence to me early on, as, as well as other musicians that I was associating myself with. 
But it was an amazing time in the music for sure, and it was the basis of the musician I would uh, become and uh, that I am today. So after all of this time, you're you know a four-time Grammy winner. Things have gone quite well. Could you have ever foreseen that things would have gone up to this point and you would have had so much happen at this point in your career? No, I didn't. Like I said, I was just following the path. I, honestly, I took much of the stuff for granted. Early on, again, I, I had uh, forced myself to go back to college because uh, I had enough spare time, and I got a degree in music, uh, which I never used at all. But, I mean, it was it was something that I did. I feel proud of that I did. Uh, but But the music that I was learning from in real time, from real people, was amazing. I didn't foresee it. And, and like I said, I just took it all for granted. I, I don't take it for granted anymore, which is why, you know, titles on the new record, uh, such as Mindful Thoughts and Love the Moment, you know, are uh, an example of, you know, how I'm in tune with, you know, what's happened and what I'm doing. What's the greatest thing about being a professional musician? That's not an easy question. And it probably could mean different things to different people. But I'll give you an example. Uh, that's an indelible memory for me. And maybe this is kind of tells a story. I remember being in Europe. And I, again, I'll remind you, I grew up in the South Bronx. We grew up poor, in the city of New York. And the first time I'm going to Europe, I'm in Europe, and we're on a sleeper bus with the band. And a sleeper bus means it's a bus with beds because we're touring. And we're arriving into Paris at 6 a.m. And I'm up, and I'm looking at, as the bus is rolling through the city, I'm just looking out the window all like, oh, my God, just absorbing the architecture and the history all in this 20-minute ride through the city. And I just went like, wow, there's a lot more to the world than where I'm from. And that's, you know, I still have that as an indelible memory in my head. And, uh, you know, the fact that I've traveled all over the world has been is very key for me, you know, that type of experience, I guess, you know, is, is something that's uh, amazing for me, the fact that I've traveled all over the world, got to see other cultures, got to meet people from other cultures, and get to absorb what the rest of the world is about, gives you a different perspective on life, and it's pretty awesome. You've had the chance to learn from a lot of elders, legends, luminaries in the world of music. What have you learned from your elders? What What's some of the advice that you got that's really fueled you throughout your career up to this point? Again, more by example. I don't think I would ask questions every now and then. Most mostly they involve music questions. But if I were to give people advice, I would say you know one of the big things that you need in this business and in in general in life is perseverance. Find out you know what drives you, what love, what you love, and. And know that there's going to be ups and downs, and the downs could be, you know, sometimes pretty devastating sometimes, or have serious doubts and insecurities about yourself. Persevere. Keep going and keep going and get up and keep going and, and follow what it is and surround yourself by good people. You know, the other thing that you've had the opportunity to do, too, is you've been able to compose music for films. That kind of opens up to a broader audience. Has that been a pretty fun venture for you to be involved with putting things in film? I've done some of that. I haven't done enough. I would like to do more. It's always a thing uh, that I feel that I can do, just have not been given the opportunity because people sometimes pigeonhole you into a certain style of musician. 
same thing with musical musical theater. To be honest with you, I, I tell people that I earned my my uh, doctorate's degree in musical theater when I worked with Paul Simon as the musical director of The Cape Man in New York in the late '90s, and I was thrown into the fire, and uh, that was an incredible education working with all the amazing people that I got to work with to see what that genre it was was about and what their expectations were what they were looking to do and what they felt made it happen or not happen. It's a great experience. For me, all those things um, just expand your palate as a musician and expand your vision and uh, give you a taste of different things that make the spice of life so beautiful. What was one of the first live jazz shows you ever saw that blew your doors down that made you just, you loved it? Oh, well, in New York, they used to have uh, a program, maybe they still have it, uh, Jazzmobile which was taking basically jazz on a on a truck on a stage that they would build and go around the city and, and uh, perform for mostly inner-city audiences. So I got to see so many incredible jazz musicians early on like that and got to see people like Dizzy Gillespie, who was, you know, at, at that time, you know, at the forefront of, you know, making jazz music. But that was an important part of me seeing uh, jazz. Um, and also, early on, i never forget going to Europe with the Ray Barreto Band in the late 70s, early 80s maybe it was, and playing at the North Sea Jazz Festival. The North Sea Jazz Festival was, is, I think it still is, the biggest jazz festival that exists. And there would literally be like, I don't know, 100, 120 artists there. I remember walking into the dining room uh, for breakfast at the hotel and just you see the who's who of jazz right there. I was going like, wow, look who's there. We were all as young musicians going, look, it's Herbie Hancock. Look, it's it's so-and-so. Everybody and their mother was there. Art Blakey was there. Freddie Hubbard. All the main musicians were there having breakfast and all greeting each other. We obviously were young kids, and, you know, as a musician, you got to see the other stages, you know, if your schedule allowed, and we would go to see the other uh, venues, the other musicians perform. So that was an amazing experience, and it still is to this day. We performed there with Spanish Harlem Orchestra, I think, three times. It's an amazing uh, festival. Uh, why do you love jazz? Why do I love jazz? Uh, well... It's one of the most creative forms of music that exists, period. The fact that you can express yourself once you've learned the the parameters of what it takes to be a jazz musician and you've studied the evolution and you've studied the history of it and studied you know, the masters and you become acquainted with what it takes to be a jazz musician, namely to improvise and to improvise in certain settings and to respond to certain musicians. That's something that I take with me. We still uh, take with us with Spanish Harlem Orchestra and obviously with my small group uh, is key because we're not only playing compositions, but we're improvising and creating on the spot and trying to create magic in the moment. Sometimes you feel you fail. Sometimes you, you capture that magic and it's the most amazing thing when it happens. So. Uh, it's America's art form, and I, I don't think it gets the, the deserve uh, it, it gets the uh, the due uh, or the respect it deserves. 
and uh, it should be taught in every school. It should be people should should be educated about jazz and the importance of it and uh, as an art form. I think it's a, a beautiful thing. I agree. So everything's going to come down to this. Everyone has their version or their interpretation or perception, I should say, of who they think you are, your family, your friends, your colleagues. But you know who you are. Tell me, who do you think you are? More than anything, I try to be a person that is a good person. I'm trying to be as spiritual as I can in my life at this point in my life in terms of being comfortable with myself and in terms of feeling God as a presence that drives me because I feel, you know, divine intervention has been put in my life without me knowing it. Uh, I can name so many examples, you know, the fact that I was given a, a piano when I, I couldn't afford one. That's a big one to start with. But uh, I think a person that lives in service and, and cares about other people and, and wants the best for this world, I mean, I'm really kind of down on what's going on in our country. And uh, I wish things were better, and I wish people would see beyond, you know, the greed and the selfishness that exists out there to find a better world, you know. But uh, that's the sign of the times that we live in. So I think a person that uh, cares and, and wants uh, things to be better, wants a better world. I don't know if that explains it, but... <laughs> it does. <laughs> it it does spot. <laughs> no, it's good, man. It, it, I saved the hardest one for last. That was a great answer. Oscar, thank you for opening up. Thank you for your music. I really appreciate your time today. It's my pleasure, brother. God bless you, and uh, hopefully we can connect again. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest cats in the Bronx, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Oscar for his time, music, and stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store, visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com, and for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.